Capita, this is your host, Jasmine Luchis, and you're now listening to Hepa Talk Season 3. Hola, Jefitas. Welcome back to Hepa Talk. So today I have a special guest with me, Steve, and I want him to go ahead and introduce himself so you guys get to know him better. Yeah, right on. Thank you so much for having me on. My name is Steve Hawkman. Man, I've been like up and down. I've been everywhere. Started off homeless. I was actually homeless twice, all the way to the top to creating the largest boot camp franchise in the entire world. So um, I just have a lot of lessons learned, and I really like to help people and share um, for mindset, discipline, getting lean, just all the things to help have that lifestyle that everybody really wants. And um, yeah, you know, the thing is with me, like what I found is that why I had so many ups and downs and why I'm even doing these podcasts is because whenever I would focus on myself, whenever it became about me, I would just spiral down. So I was really good at getting to the top, but I just sucked at staying there. And I would always be like, what happened? And one day I kind of figured out that if my whole life's purpose is to just give as much value as I can to people, like if that's my only mission in life to give value, then by default, it made me the best version of myself in every single way so I could give that value. Like from everything from fitness, nutrition, business, finance, parenting. Even the other day, I was having like this little stupid argument with my wife and the ego part of me was gonna try to win the argument. But the value part of me was like, wait, I gotta solve this in such a cool way so I could share it with others. And that made me be the best version of myself. So my whole life being successful result revolves around being in a position to give the most value to others. Like I literally need to do that. I, I love that you say that because I feel like, um, I can relate in that sense because I noticed that when I go into certain things and I'm like, I'm going to do this for myself or I want it for, you know, financial reasons, like to be better in that aspect, nothing ever goes right because I'm not doing it in a purposeful way. I'm just doing it to be like out of ego or out of, um, you know, like financial gain. And so I feel like when I, dedicate myself to certain things like helping the community or or helping somebody else it goes way better and it does bring out the best in me because then I'm like okay um that 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 made me learn okay it's not about me it's about helping somebody else and making sure that they understand that they're not by themselves in certain situations and so uh I I definitely love that you say that because um when when somebody really starts to do things for others you know god has a way or or the universe whatever it is that you believe in has a way of of giving back to you for for putting into the universe good you know um so i know you kind of mentioned that uh you were homeless how did that start or how did that happen yeah, it happened twice. So the first time, uh, my dad was a was like a con artist. I didn't know that at the time. But in high school, we just kept getting kicked out of everywhere we lived. And I um we finally got kicked out of one house and they they just took everything I owned. Like I guess they just repossessed everything, <clears throat> changed the locks, and then we were living in like a rental car. It's called rent a wreck, where you rent like a piece of shit car and like so I would basically like sleep in this car um but at the time 
I was really focused on getting a football scholarship. I just was like, this is what I'm going to do. And so I would sleep in the car and then I would go to school, work out, do all my stuff and then go back to the car. And then I ended up, I ended up getting a, a scholarship. And so it all, it's, it all worked out in, in, in that scenario. So was football something for you in your life that you um, kind of got into it because it was a love for the sport or was it more of like, it's an opportunity to be something. It was actually neither. Um, I got into football because I had no friends and uh, I didn't understand how to interact with people. So I was just like, I think I was just really immature, really annoying to people. I had horrible social skills, so nobody liked me. So I was so angry. I was just so mad. And um, I remember in ninth grade, because my, my junior high went from seventh through ninth grade. So in ninth grade, my friend, I had one friend and he goes, oh, you play baseball. I was playing baseball. He goes, I play football and we just hit people all day. I'm like, you mean like I could hit people as hard as I can and not get in trouble for it? Like really? And so I really just went out for football to hit people. I literally was just taking out all my frustration, all my anger, all my rage. I didn't care if it was practice. I didn't care if it was a game. I didn't care if we won. I didn't care if we lost. I literally just got out there as like my therapy. Like I need to hit people and not get in trouble for once in my life. And so I, I just was like, you know, I think I could do this. I just think I could get a scholarship. And I was so dumb because like my 10th grade year was like my first year. And my coach is like, you're not going to, you suck. Basically you just hit people, but you don't know how to play the game. Um, because a lot of people have been playing like all their life. It was my first year, my sophomore year. And I was like, nah, I am. And by my senior year, I was I was uh, all American, got a full scholarship to University of Miami. And um, I still didn't love the game, but it just kind of like took me on this journey. It was just uh, out of rage. And then I just saw a path to get out of living in a car. Uh, to take from what you just said right there, uh, I feel like I can tell from your personality already is like if somebody tells you you're not going to do it, you're going to prove them wrong. So was that more or less how you continued your football career because that one coach told you you wouldn't? Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that when I was born, I just had this weird drive where I just kind of like I had no reason to believe in myself at all. But for some weird reason, I just thought I could do anything. And my dad, the one of the good things he did was he brainwashed me into thinking I could do anything. And so I just believed I could do whatever. I'm like, you know, my coach was like, you know, it's only like one out of 100,000 people get a scholarship. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'll, I'll be that one. You know, I just, I just felt like I could do anything. And, and yeah, it was one of those things to, to the fuel to prove people wrong does fuel me a lot. Like I had like some like learning disabilities and, and I was in, I had the one, the regular classes and then I had the one special ed class. So I was like, you know, I was just in this class and I remember, and I hated being in the class cause I felt like, gosh, man, I know I'm not, I know I'm not this dumb. I'm dumb, but I'm not like, I don't need to be in this class, but apparently I did. And my teacher, I remember he said, uh, write your top five goals down. And I was like, oh, I'll do that. What the hell? I'll participate. So I wrote, I want to get a scholarship to the number one ranked school, number two, number three, number four, number five. I want to have my pick. And I remember he pulled me after class 
And uh, it was like the one time I actually tried to participate. And he goes, you know, that's great that you have these goals, but you should set them lower, like something you could achieve like junior college. And I was like, fuck you. You know, I just straight up was like, fuck you. And I remember when I signed with the University of Miami, it came out in the Los Angeles Times, like Steve Hogman signs with Miami. And I remember I brought that newspaper in and I was not the man I am now. And I think my words were like way different than they would be now. Not much different, but way a little different. But I was just like, fuck you, read this, you know? And uh, and I think he was just kind of scared actually, to be honest with you. But um, but yeah, it felt good. It did. It felt good to like prove prove people wrong. I love it. Ah. I, I can see I can see where that comes from. Like I know that for myself, I hate being told that I can't do something. So I'm gonna try to do my best to achieve it and and more because I feel like why am I gonna be put in this box because you couldn't achieve it? And that's probably where that came from that teacher is is that they couldn't see you accomplishing it because they didn't. And so yeah. it's it's cool to see now that you were able to turn around and be like, look, I, I achieved it and you said I couldn't. Um so tell me a little bit after after um high school, tell me a little bit about your journey there. Yeah, so I, I um I was on my scholarship to University of Miami. So I like I said, I was really great at getting to the top, um, but I'm was horrible at staying there. So I got there, but but my ego was too big, and I remember like they put me on special teams, which is actually an honor for a true freshman. But me, uh, being a, just a dumbass, I was just mad. I was like, I don't want to be on special teams. I'm better than that. I didn't even realize that it was unheard of for a freshman to even be playing at that school. And, uh, and so right away, I kind of got a bad reputation. Um, I ended up having ACL reconstruction and it just kind of like, it just didn't work out. And I ended up, um, so I blew it really, I blew that opportunity and I ended up transferring to Idaho state university. I was like, all right, I'm going to start over. I'm going to beat everybody out. I'm going to become a starter. So I beat everybody out. I became a starter, but then like my dad again, came into picture and, uh, he said he was going to kill himself because, he was going to have to go to prison for check fraud. And it gave me this like massive anxiety. And I had these like panic attacks all day. And I ended up just dropping out of school my senior year. So again, like I made it and then I like lost it. And, uh, and yeah, that was kind of the, the sort of the story of my life, like getting to the top, getting falling down, getting to the top, falling down, you know? Well, and I, uh, sorry to interrupt you. I feel like, um, it's hard, right? Because you have a parent that's kind of loading this big heaviness onto you. And it's kind of like, how how can you continue school that way? Having that anxiety of being like, if I'm not there with him, you know, something might happen. Um, would you say that your relationship with your dad um, really caused some of that anger that you had? I don't, I don't think it caused, I mean, later in life, it caused a little bit of anger, but like, um, you know, to be honest with you. So at that moment, you know, if, if I could have mentored myself, like my younger self, I would have been like, look, that guy's a loser. I know he's your dad, but tell him to fuck himself. That's what I would have done. I've been like, go kill yourself. Go ahead. I don't give a fuck. Like, why are you telling me this? You know, but, um, the, the, the anger part came like later when I, I just really felt that he was just a shitty dad but then later in life the the you know he died but i forgave him and the reason i forgave him is because i just realized that we expect parents to be like these super 
awesome people because they're our parents. But the thing is, they're just people. So like you see someone and maybe they're like all fucked up, but they're just a person. But then they have a kid and you think like, oh, they're going to change because they had a kid. But they're just people. And sometimes people are just broken. Like maybe that was the best he had. Like, obviously, I'm sure he didn't choose to have such a shitty life. Like, why would anyone want that? Why would anyone want to live their whole life like being a con artist, never getting ahead, wasting all your, all your, all of their potential, having their kids hate them. So I think I just came to the realization that parents sometimes are doing the best they can. And just because they're our parents, they're just people. And so I was able to forgive them and kind of move past that. So I know um, through your social media, I see that you are also a father. So um, did you take what you wish your father would have taught you? And do you teach that to your kids now? I, 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 I do. So I, I wasn't always the best dad, even though I thought I was at the beginning. Like, it's weird because like he told me once that he said he would never be like his dad, but he was exactly like his dad. And I was like, I'm never going to be like my dad, but I I was being like my dad. Like um, I was in a pretty bad marriage. I was cheating on, on my wife because like, I'm there's no excuse for it. I'm just saying like, I was just felt unloved and I should have just like left the marriage. I thought I had to stay. And so I had other relationships. So really I was just setting a horrible example. I wasn't home a lot. I was lying all the time. I wasn't really being me. You know, how can I be setting an example for my kids if I'm living a life that I'm not, that I have to hide, you know? So really I was being kind of like a shitty dad. I was a little too controlling. Um, I was, a, even if it was from love, I was a little bit too controlling. And actually my, my older daughter during 2020, she got real suicidal and she came downstairs one day and I noticed some cuts on her arm. I'm like, what's that? And then I saw like, she had cuts from like head to toe. Like she had like a thousand cuts on her body. So she was cutting herself. Uh, she was super depressed and I feel like a lot of it was because of me, you know, like I just was too controlling with her. Um, we ended up, I ended up having a, like send her to like a, a, a wilderness program so that we could both get like the help that we needed and I could figure out what I was doing wrong and she could get the support she needed. And now, I mean, this is a while ago, you know, this is like almost four years ago, but now she's 18 um, and our relationship is so good and it's so different. And, you know, as parents, like a lot of times we feel like we can't let our kids make a mistake. Like, even if your kid was like, I'm going to drop out of, I don't want to even go to school. And you think like, oh my God, you're going to ruin your life. You need to keep these opportunities open. I got to make you go to school. It's like, what I kind of learned was sometimes the path that you think is the path isn't the correct path. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times mistakes are fine. Like you can make even major mistakes. It's just, you just got to be there to support them to like learn the lessons with them. And sometimes learning a lesson of a mistake is worth way more than going through the motions and not making the mistake. And so, you know, that's, that's really what I learned through this whole therapy thing is to just ask a lot of questions, you know, like, Oh, okay, well, you don't want to go to school anymore. So why, you know, what do you, what are you feeling? And then it's like, okay, well, what's your plan? You know, so what's the plan? And then I have to say, well, for me, like, you don't have to go to school. I'm not going to force you to go to school, but I can't really buy things for someone that's under 18. That's not going to school. I can't really like 
drive you to your friend's houses. I can't really pay for your cell phone because that would just make, it's nothing to do with you. It would just make me feel weird. Like that just goes against like what, what I'm okay with, but you could not go to school. Just let's, if you want to talk about a plan, let's talk about it, but I got to do these things on my end. And then that usually does the trick, you know, cause you're not forcing anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a big one. So yeah, I think your question was, do I like, because of my dad, do I try to be a better dad? And the answer was always yes, but I wasn't doing a good job of it. And I, I would say that like, I don't want to get like cocky or anything, but I, I, I think I'm doing a good job now. <laughs> no. And it's, and it's, that realization of that you know parents are just human and it's it's funny that you put it that way because I had that realization I think about a year ago because I come from a broken home as well and I used to be like oh I'm this way because of my mom I'm this way because of my dad and then I realized like they're just people trying to figure their shit out too like they 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 also have their own traumas that they have to work through it and that's what has made them that way and through therapy as well I've realized that people people's life experiences have shaped them to be who they are and some people grow from those life experiences and some people don't and and I had to forgive them to be able to better myself and to let go of that anger or that um, resentment that I had towards them so that I can be a better version of myself and be that mother figure to you know my sister to to my kids now and so it's it's funny that you say it that way because it's like I think once you get to that level of understanding that they're just humans going through life as well you let go of that like high standard that you have for them you know so, yeah. And some people, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and some people are just weak. You know, they're just, they, they just are weak people. Like my mom, I love my, my mom and um, I have a good, really good relationship with my mom, but I was mad. I was so mad at her for a long time because when I was eight, my parents got divorced and she knew what a maniac my dad was. She moved like two hours away and left me with my dad. And so I, I was like, just so angry. I didn't understand why she did it, but I understand that she's just, she's just weak. She's not a bad person. She was too weak to handle me. She was too weak to, to deal with everything. And she did the best that she could do. You know, you, if you see a weak person, you're like, yeah, I get it. That person's just weak. But then if they're your parent, you're like, yeah, but you're my parent. Um, there's still just that weak person. They just happen to be your parent. You know, there's no license that you need to get to have a kid. You know, anyone could have a kid and um, it doesn't mean that they're going to do what's required to be a good parent or that they're even capable of it. Yeah. What from that, what was your moment where you finally looked in the mirror and were was like, okay, I want to, this person that I currently am now cannot be who I need to continue being. So what, what moment was that for you? Yeah, I had a pretty crazy moment where, um, so when I dropped out of college, um, I, I started working as a bouncer at a strip club and I actually was like dating a stripper and she dared me to get married to her. Like, you're never going to marry me. I'm like, let's go to the courthouse and get married. Like, you don't think I will like, again, tell me I won't do it. All right. And I'm going to do it. And so 
that was a nightmare. Obviously that was like not a good situation. So I ended up leaving that and I was homeless again. Like, I'm like, how am I homeless again? So my dad came back in the picture. He was staying on the couch of this like super ghetto apartment in Fontana, like this tiny cockroach infested apartment. Um, and he was just like probably conning someone to sleep on the couch. And I was like, I got nowhere to go. So I slept on the floor for a couple of nights right below him who was sleeping on the couch. And I remember one night, this is the night where everything changed. So there was some gunshots outside, like, and something was on my chest. I was like, what the hell? It was a cockroach was crawling on my chest. My dad was snoring and he had a lit cigarette that was like kind of hanging out of his hand right above my head with like a two inch ash that was just about to fall on my face. And it was that moment where I'm like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be like this isn't my path. I have a destiny. This is not it. And that was the moment where um, I woke up in the morning. I called my grandma who I didn't really have a much of a relationship with, but I just was like, I'm desperate. Can I stay with you for like a week? And so she let me stay on her couch for a week. And that turned into a couple months. She's like, you have to get up early. You have to work all day and you can't make a mess. I'm like, I could do those things. And so I really just dedicated my whole life to just working all these odd jobs and working out. So I like, I swam, I biked, I ran, I lifted weights. And cause I, I was like really overweight from college. You know, I, I was like 300 pounds. And so I, um, I got really lean and really cut. And this kid walked up to me at 24 hour fitness and said, um, can I pay you a hundred dollars and we'll just work out together for a week. And I was like, I mean, inside I was like, holy shit. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, okay. I like outside. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do that. But I was like, oh my God, this guy's going to pay me a hundred bucks to work out with me. And then I was like, you know, we're still friends. This is like over 20 years ago, but I was like, I could do this. I could be a trainer. And so I ended up becoming a trainer and I just had so much appreciation that people were paying me money. For, for what I knew, they, they were like, actually, I felt important for the first time in my life. I was like, wow, like doctors, lawyers, judges were giving me money because they sucked at getting fit and I was really good at it. And uh, and then about a year and a half later, I opened up a, a seven figure personal training studio and it was like back on top again, you know, but that was the moment, the ash, the cockroach, the gunshots. And I was like, You're oh like, my God, what have I done? get me out of here man yeah, exactly so take me take me a little bit on your journey now that you have your own um training um boot camp like how how was that for you yeah yeah no for sure so i ended up so i opened up um in 2000 i opened up a, a personal training gym and I was doing things very different, the way I was charging people, the way I marketed, the way I closed people, the way I trained. Back then, everyone just did one-on-one -on -one training. They sold packages. I did auto-debit. I was one of the first trainers to, to innovate with auto-debit, like a, like a membership to my training. And so all these trainers in the area heard that like he's the six-figure trainer maker. So they would come to me, rent space at my, at my gym, and I would teach them to get the six figures in 60 days. And I was just like, I became super well-known. And so my gym became the biggest gym in Orange County, California for training. And then word kind of spread. Um, at the same time, I opened up these indoor boot camps. So um, every boot camp back then were done at the park. So you bring your own weights, you're at the park. It's kind of like weird. They would market it for four weeks, run it for six weeks. 
It was just a horrible business model. And so I rent, I started renting space inside of gymnastics and cheerleading centers because they weren't open till the night. So I would just run boot camps for practically free indoors. I had my own gym. I opened up six, six figure boot camps in six months. And then a guy named Bedros heard about me who had um, a giant following of personal trainers. And together we created a company called Fit Body Bootcamp. And it became the biggest uh, fitness bootcamp franchise in the world, over 600 locations in six countries. And, um, but at the time I was in that really bad marriage. I was cheating on my wife all the time. Um, I, I started like my, my bad habits started coming back. My ego started getting big because I started getting like, like, like on a very small scale, famous, not, not in a big scale, you know, like doing like big seminars, having all sorts of stuff. And I kind of lost myself. And at the time I was doing, um, I was helping people with business all over the world. I was doing like a hundred thousand a month, um, just from coaching and I had all my gyms and everything. And I ended up walking away because I really just knew that the path I was on was going to just end really badly. I walked away from all of that. I sold Fit Body Bootcamp. I um, stopped my training. I actually just got back on Instagram April 10th. That was my first post. And so I'm back. I worked on myself for 10 years, just 10 years. I just worked on myself and I opened up um, six more uh, fitness boot camps, but they weren't franchised. They were called OC Fit. I helped a whole lot of people um, with their business, get in shape, all that stuff. And so now I just realized the formula was I must give value. I just must give massive value. Like this is how I look at it. Okay. If, if imagine if everyone had a digital number above their head and that number represented the people's life that they changed. So the people's life that they positively impact. And let's say you got like a billionaire that has like, maybe he got rich on like crypto and he, and he has like a, a number over his head is like three, like maybe he's helped three people. And then you have like me who like, maybe like the number over my head is like a million. And so we'd be standing next to each other, man, I would be so much more proud of my million number over my head because like, I know that represents value. That represents value that I gave back to the world. And as long as I just keep giving that value, then like by default, I'm the best version of me. I'm the best husband. I'm the best. I'm the best business owner, the best friend, the best fitness person. I'm just the best because I'm dedicated to giving the most value. And so that's kind of where I'm at today and why I came back online and I saw you do an interview um, with my boy and I was like, with Shane. And so I was like, Hey, what's up? And it was so cool that you hit me right back. You know, it's like, you never know, like when you reach out to someone. So I appreciate you. No, thank you for, for being able to share. And I think I, that's what I love to do. I think that um, because of my background and, and things like that along my journey, I have met so many people that uh, I, I realized to to be able to be successful, you can't have an ego. You can't be like, oh, I don't want to learn from so-and-so because of this and that. And it's like, if you really want to be successful and you picture yourself a certain way, you got to start surrounding yourself with those people, whether they're, uh, you know, uh, older than you, younger than you. And so along my journey, whenever I would meet people and I would get to talk to them, just listening to their stories I used to be like oh well you also come from a broken home or like you know you also come from this or like oh I know somebody else that has been through that 
And so I decided, you know what, my purpose and my mission in life has always been to be helpful and be, you know, somebody else's person that I didn't have growing up. And through that, I was like, okay, I, I need to share other people's story and help them connect with other people. Because I know that when you connect somebody to somebody that they can relate to, it builds community. It it builds, um, you know, a, a strong foundation for them to be successful and to be able to reach out to that certain person and be like, hey, I'm going through this. How do I get out of it? Or like, hey, I, I know you you went through this and it failed. Um, You know, what what tips do you have? And um, so that's really why I started doing it. And through that, I've been able to meet so many people I from all walks of life, like different backgrounds. And so it was cool to interview Shane um, because of his background and to see how he's been so successful. Uh, and I can see that, you know, the same thing. You took fitness and you were able to really not only help somebody get healthier but I'm sure you were able to help their mentality as well because fitness comes it's not just about your health it's about everything you, you know your mental health you know it helps you think clearer and and be more positive um what is one thing that you would say had that fitness has been able to give you that most people wouldn't think it would benefit you yeah, I mean, it'd be confidence for sure, but it's not confidence like what you would think. So like everybody thinks it comes from confidence comes from how you look from fitness and it really has nothing to do with that. So the thing is, here's what happens. So people say to themselves, I'm going to start working out on Monday and then Monday comes, they hit snooze, they don't work out. Then it's Tuesday, then it's Wednesday. And then they're like, I'm going to work out next month. And then it ends up being next year. And what? And and the same with eating. They say the same thing with eating. I'm going to eat healthy, but then they don't. And what happens is you just don't develop confidence that you're going to follow through with what you say you're going to do. So then when you want to start that business or you want to start that big, big project, in the back of your mind and your subconscious, you're like, look, I don't know if I even trust myself to really do this. So so people don't have the confidence to go 100% because they're not confident that they could do the little things. So how could they do the big things? So for me, the fact that I never miss, I just don't miss ever. Like I don't ever cheat on my diet. I know that sounds crazy, like ever. I don't ever miss workouts, even if it's a shitty workout. Like I might just do like 50 burpee pushups, but I did it, you know what I mean? Because I always want to rely on myself to follow through with the goals that I set. And I know if I could do that with fitness, then I could transfer that into other things. So confidence is the biggest thing, but it's not the reason why people think that I'm confident from fitness. I, I can no. I can see how that works. Um, what is one thing I love to ask people is what is one thing that motivates you the most? The what, what motivates me the most is regret. I'm so scared of regret. I'm so scared of like, I mean, look, I'm going to be 50 next year, which is just crazy to me. I don't feel it. I don't look it. I don't think it. I don't even understand it, but it is a real number and it's in my head. And I'm like, God damn, in 10, in 11 years, I'm going to be 60. Like, holy shit. I just hear this clock ticking man because i haven't accomplished everything i want to accomplish yet you know and regret is is so scary to me that i would get to like the end of my life and be like damn 
I just didn't do it. I just didn't do it. I didn't do what I thought I was here on earth to do. I didn't help as many people as I thought I was going to help. I really thought I was going to be that guy that like has like a million people that he said he straight up helped. And look, I'm just up, down, up, down for my whole life. And to get to the end and just like look back and wonder what if I did this or what if I did that, that scares me. And that motivates me every day. What is one thing if somebody right now is finding themselves in the same position as you laying down on the floor, like thinking this is not, this is not what I want for myself. What is one thing that you would tell them? If someone's stuck and they want to improve their whole life, I would tell them to make their main purpose to give as much value in every single aspect that they possibly can. And by default, they need to become the best version of themselves in all those ways so they could deliver the value. And to not make it about them anymore, to make their whole purpose about giving value to others. And, you know, it, it's like, and when you say that, it, it sounds like you're just going to live some life of like being broke and just giving. And that's not what I'm talking about. Because like, if I was just broke, but I'm like, I'm going to give the most value, I can't give value unless I have a certain type of lifestyle that you want. You know what I mean? Like I owe it to you to be successful financially so that I can inspire you to then learn and to do the same. So it, it, it's not, it's not like some dedication to value and having like sacrifice your life. And it sucks. It's the greatest thing ever. Like when I'm on coaching calls with my clients and I'm solving their problems, I'm in such a flow state, like time doesn't exist nothing matters. I just feel so good because I'm like helping, solving problem, solving problem, helping, releasing them of this vice. And then when I'm done and I close my computer, I'm like, I just sit there like, <clears throat> how did I get to do this? Like, how, how is this kid that everyone thought was so stupid that had no friends that like was so mad that that's the only reason I wanted to hit people and hurt people in football. I am just helping people all day and feeling like, unbelievably good like I don't even deserve to feel this good so it is a cool thing to just dedicate your life to serve others and it actually makes you live the life that you actually want to live that's the crazy thing you're living the life you're living your dream life because that's the only way you're going to be able to inspire people and show people how to live their dream life so you can't just talk about it you got to actually do it so that's what I would tell someone I think that's great advice. I think that's great advice. I'm going to take that advice for myself as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, um, I always ask people, what is one thing that you would want your kids to take from you? Yeah, you know, and I know like a lot of the answers, of, of course, are going to be the same because I just believe in it so strongly about dedicating their life to giving value and coming as the best version of themselves. But with that being said, I really want them to just really listen to their conscience. You know, your conscience is always telling you what to do. It's just sometimes we like tune it. We really tune it out. And listening to your conscience is just like any other muscle that you strengthen and you get really good at it so that it's so loud and so clear. And then it becomes your leader. 
So in any situation, your conscience is so loud. You're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. Nah, I'm going to go that way. I'm going to go this uh, instead of going that way. And so I would just really tell them to just like really be true to their conscience, to to strengthen their ability to, to hear it and then just follow it. I love that advice. Um, what is or who is one person that inspires you the most? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, so someone um, someone asked me that the other day and like I, I take bits of inspiration from from lots of different people. Um, there's a guy named Brad from Reliant Fitness that uh, was a firefighter. Uh, he was on drugs and, you know, just living like a shit life. And like in like six months, like he really turned it around. And now he's helping like like thousands of people. And he he grew so fast to be in the position to help those people. So like that inspires me. Uh, Wes Watson inspires me. Um, his discipline inspires me. The fact that he 100% is his real self and is not apologetic for anything about just being him and uh his work ethic inspires me but to be honest i really had to just create the person that i look up to in myself and i know it sounds weird but i actually watch my own videos like i i really do watch my own stuff and like listen to me you know like sometimes i'm like i have fear and doubt and i'm i just have a down day and i just play my own videos like what did I tell myself to do? And I just had to turn myself into sort of my own hero, like my own person that I want to be like. In fact, that's what I think like all the time. Like a lot of times I'll pretend I'm like watching myself from above, like I'm in a movie and I'm like, okay, what would that person do? That would be just dope as hell right now. Like, oh, all these things happen bad, but he just is like, fuck it. I'm going to do this. I don't even care. I'm like, that would be cool. And so I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to do that. So I just kind of make myself into my own person that I admire and just, just keep building myself up to be my own leader. Yeah. And that's, and that's okay too. I, I feel like not, not everybody needs to specifically be inspired by somebody else. You can find inspiration within yourself if you, if you really want to, um, what is one thing I always ask people because social media, of course, plays a big role nowadays in everything, but social media also has a way of warping people's ideas of, you know, lifestyles and things like that. What is one thing that people can't get from your social media that you would want them to know about you? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I really wish people could just see my I mean, I, I do share this stuff, so they see it a little bit, but like, I struggle just like anyone else. You know, I I feel like I have all the same thoughts that anyone else would have. You know, I, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, well, man, like, what am I even thinking here? Like right now I'm writing a book, right? And I want, you know, when you're writing a book, um, you, you want it to be big. You want it to impact people. You want it to be like a household name. And like I'm it's it's my nutrition concepts, right? It's called the three. So I have these three rules. I don't count calories. I don't do macros. I do it very different than everybody. And I want people to be all around the world. I want to motivate them and release them of all the things that are holding them back with nutrition that I know everyone's missing because I've worked with so many people. But 
it's a lot of work, right? It's hours and hours and hours a day of writing. So in your mind, you're like, is everyone, anyone even going to read this? You know, is this even going to go anywhere? Like, am I just wasting all my time right now? And I wish they could see me work through those issues in real time, you know, because like the way I do it is I just say like, who fucking cares? Like, there's no choice in the matter because if when I'm on my last days, if I look back and I didn't write that book, well, then I'm guaranteed to regret that. At least if I wrote it and I put my heart and soul into it and I'm proud of it, whatever happens is going to happen. What if it helps 10 people? Maybe I wanted 10 million, but what if it helps 10? What, those 10, aren't, those 10 people aren't worth it? If it changed 10 lives, that's not worth it? That's not important? And so I just like wish people could see my thought process of like how I work through things like, huh, but if I don't do it, how am I going to feel? All right, fuck it. Let's, let's roll this. Let's just do it all out, you know? Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's relatable. We all, I feel like we all go through that where we all self doubt ourselves. And then we kind of, we have to kind of pep talk ourselves like, no, you can do it. You can, you can put that out there. You can, you know, you can achieve it. Um, so I like that. I like that answer because it's very relatable because I'm sure a lot of us do the same thing. Um, and my thing is I have, to, I have to not care if I achieve it though. That's the thing. Like, like I can't tie success to the result. I have to tie, tie success to doing the work that I'm proud of. And then whatever result comes, it's going to come. And that that's the hardest lesson because my mind is always like result, result, result. But then I'm like, it's like I'm fighting in my own head. I'm like, no, 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 no. The work, the work, the work. Be proud of the work. Are you proud of the work? Yes. Then you're then then you're already successful. Whatever happens is a bonus. You don't understand. Whatever happens is a bonus. So many people don't even try. So many people just they have these dreams, they have these thoughts, they have these things they want to do. They don't even try. That's a failure. To me, giving all you got and being proud of something. That's a success and everything else. That's just icing on the cake. I love that. So with that, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. What is one of your. Jasmine, let me, so sorry. Let me just get, grab my plug. I just noticed my computer's about to die. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. All right. I'm back. <laughs> it was just right over here. My plug came out. Um, what is one, one life quote or one of your life's mottos? Hmm. That's, that's a good one. Honestly, it's, it's the quote that I have right here on my arm. And it just really says everything happens as it should. And it says what stands in the way becomes the way and focus on the work, not the result. So like that is the quote of my whole life. And that's why I put it on my arm. Cause I forget that all the time. I'm like, like things will happen in your life. And you're like, ah, this shouldn't, ah, you know, like, but the universe has a different plan for you sometimes. And, you know, I'm too dumb to understand that plan. So I just say, well, all right, everything happens as it should. This is exactly what's supposed to be happening right now. So I'm not even stressed about it because it's supposed to happen this way. And then I'm like, okay, just focus on the work. What's your work? What work are you supposed to do? And don't focus on the result. And so that that's like the biggest, um, and, and also, uh, a, a like a a quote or a way of life would be the universe rewards people that are grateful and appreciative and it's really important to remember that because if you're driven and motivated it's very 
it's a it's a weird balance because what happens is you start focusing on what you want. And the more you focus on what you want, the more you're in an ungrateful state because you're ungrateful for what you have because you're not there yet. And when I get there, I'm going to be happy, you know? And the thing is, if the universe was like a parent, if your kid was like, I have all these toys that work and that are awesome, but I'm not going to be happy till you get me more toys. You wouldn't give your kid more toys. And I think the universe works the same way. It's like, no, no, no. You're ungrateful. I'm not going to give someone ungrateful more stuff because then you're going to get the more stuff then you're going to be ungrateful again. And it's a cycle that never ends. And so it's this weird balance of like, you're working hard because of course you're trying to build something, but then you have to just really balance it out with being grateful for what you have. And that's very difficult to do, but it is absolutely required to do. And the thing is, what's crazy is like, happiness isn't a destination. It's a choice. So there's many choices, like a hundred choices a day where we have to be grateful for the moment. And when you're grateful all the time, you're actually happy. And then you attract what you want even faster. And then when you get it, you enjoy it, but you don't even need it. It's like this cool bonus. You're like, oh, cool. That's great. I got it. Wow. That's awesome. But you're already happy. So it just makes you even more happy. Yeah, I like I like the way you put that because I feel like I can see how that is true because as a parent, I know I would not give my kid something if he's not taking care of what he has now or if he's not grateful for what he does have now. So you putting it in that way is just like an aha moment like, oh, okay that makes sense that's so awesome yeah. well i just wanted to thank you so much for like sitting down and being able to talk to us i know that um you said you're working on a book so when is that um kind of like estimated to come out or yeah the book uh right now the title is the three um i'm not sure if that's going to stay the title it like if everything goes good we're looking at six to eight months and and then the book will be out and, uh, you know, go on a big book tour and see how many people we could help with this book. Yes. Well, hopefully you, you're able to put it out and then you come in and do a book signing here in San Antonio. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Um, can you let people know where they can connect with you? Like where they can, um, you know, find you on socials? Yeah, my name's Steve Hawkman. So the best way is Instagram. It's underscore Steve Hawkman. And just hit me there, message me. I hit all my own messages. I don't have anyone working for me or doing any of my DMs. Like if someone hits me up, I hit them right back personally. See, so you guys heard it here. If you guys ever are, you know, looking for a mentor, if you're looking for a coach, uh, anything like that, um, Steve is definitely somebody that you guys can reach out to. Um, I'll make sure I have all the links down below from the episode. But thank you again for taking the time. I know you're in a different time zone than we are. <laughs> so um, thank you for taking the time to just sit and, and have a conversation with us. Yeah, thank you, Jasmine. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to our HEPA Talk podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram at HEPA Talk. Make sure you leave us a review and that you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on YouTube. Thank you again. Hasta luego.